Good morning, church. My name is Anna Sharp, and I was a part of this week's this past week's Vacation Bible School. We grew in sharing and teaching the way that we are treasured in Christ and how ultimately our greatest treasure is knowing Jesus. Today as we continue our series looking at the parables of Jesus in Mark chapter 4, Jesus shares and answers the question to what the kingdom of God is like. This text not only echoes the prophecies of old, but also demonstrates to us the very character and nature of God. Hear now the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 34. And he said, With what can we compare to the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown to the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke to the word, he spoke the word to them. As they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, and he explained everything. Please join me in response to the word. All flesh is grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah. Here our applause. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Man, thanks be to God. Good morning, church. And your boy just got caught up getting teary-eyed hearing her read that word. Man, it's so good. Well, friends, as uh, she had just shared, uh, we had just celebrated Vacation Bible School where we talked about uh, being treasured, right? Uh, they were learning and being taught uh, what does it mean to be valued and seen and known in the eyes of Christ. And what was awesome is that we see this sense of treasuredness and value, not just in the gospel, but we also see how it is skewed in this world. And so uh, there's a reason why Jesus in Mark chapter 4 ends off these parables with this kingdom of God and the parable of the sower. Um, so as we jump into that, uh, let us first pray and return our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are worthy of our praise, and we thank you for this morning. Lord, we, we thank you for the, the word that was just said, Father. And we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are. Lord, speak now, Lord. And for those that have ears to hear, let them hear. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. So uh, as we talked about treasuredness, I, I have a little backstory as we are rooted in this. Because again, uh, I think there's great importance to the fact that again, that Jesus ends off this chapter or these parables with the parable of the mustard seed. You see, in 1963, Israeli archaeologists were excavating a tomb, uh, the tomb of Herod the Great at Masada. Okay? Upon his excavation, they found many things that were buried with him, of course, as was the traditions back then. This is an example of the hope that after one's passing, the objects that were placed in the burial with him would then go with them to the next, next destination. 
This is a function of secular hope. Okay, uh, it was a function of secular hope, uh, and we see this demonstrated throughout time, throughout various cultures. Um, it was during this excavation that in the midst of all the antiques that they found and all the things that they were discovering, including human remains, that they found a jar, and this jar was full of seeds. It was full of seeds. And carbon dating put these seeds between 155 B.C., to 64 AD, thus meaning that these seeds were approximately 2,000 years old, 2,000 years old. And the seeds were then stored at the university at Tel Aviv, uh, awaiting on a shelf to be looked at. Well, in 2005, the program planted three of these seeds. They planted three of them and, uh, that were found. And given some time, care, and attention, one of the seeds sprouted. It would make to be the oldest seed to ever germate. Uh, and they would name this tree that would become a tree, Methuselah. And now this tree to this day is giving off pollen, looking to fertilize the next generation of trees. As we approach this text, we want to have uh, the, the center of our hearts set on the understanding of the kingdom of God and the power of a seed. There's reason why Jesus precisely communicates this parable, and though it cannot be flushed all out at once right now in a single setting, what Jesus was, is saying is that we have, as we see in this text and as we see throughout scripture, we have a solid grasp of what Jesus is spurring the disciples to. And so, in spurring the disciples, he is also spurring us church. And so we see this, uh, we're going to unpack it today in three different ways. First is the understanding of the kingdom of God. Next is the understanding of a mustard seed in its application. And then finally finishing off with the understanding of being a disciple. I'm going to reread one more time as we jump into this. Again, Matthew chap Mark chapter 4. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? What can we compare the kingdom of God and what parable shall we use? It is like a grain of mustard seed when sown to the ground. It is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. And yet when it is sown, it is grown up. It becomes larger than any other garden plants and puts out large branches so that the, church, that the birds of the air can make their nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke with the word with them, and they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately with his disciples, he explained everything. When we first approach understanding the kingdom of God, there's a, we have to understand that there's a reoccurring message throughout the Old Testament. Follow with me. That as we see this reoccurring message, we have to look into the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, we see this in the prophets. There's a clear addressing when the time of the prophets come by that the judgment of the people of God was at hand and there would be a promise of one that would come to save them. So this is all on, on the cusp of a desperate need of a savior where the people of God were in an uncomfortable situation and though they had no idea what God was doing on the inside and behind the curtain, they still had to try to remain faithful. We see this uh, addressed in Daniel uh, with Nebuchadnezzar and his, and his visions and his dreams. 
We see this in Ezekiel, um, and we also see this in Isaiah as when he was called, whom shall I send and whom shall go for me? Here I am, send me. What's interesting is that we don't finish the rest of that chapter because the message that Isaiah has to go out forth is to tell him that there is a change. There is going to be a shift that there is going to come a kingdom that will radically change the world, and the kingdom that is here and now must pass. It will have no authority over this new kingdom that comes. Brothers and sisters, let us not also forget, when we look back at fulfillment, what was the promise given to David. We see this in 2 Samuel, and it reads in 2 Samuel, uh, this is uh, Samuel to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down, Uh, with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and I will establish a kingdom and he shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. This is the first... This is the moment when we first hear about a kingdom that'll last forever. So as Jesus is here in this text in chapter 4 saying, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? We first have to understand and recognize that he's talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, the seed of that kingdom was first placed and we see in the Old Testament. You following with me? That seed is placed in the Old Testament. And God had promised a kingdom that would last forever forever. And the mark of that kingdom was that one that he would liken to him a son. We see this in the life of Jesus. Church, faithfulness is the word when we first see this parable. Faithfulness is what is being communicated to the disciples. And again, as that's being asked, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And what is it to hear? That the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is faithful. The God that has seen Israel through its turmoil is faithful. And now in this moment, in a moment of turmoil and separation and oppression, our God is still faithful. Just as he was in Egypt, so he is in this text, and so he is now. Amen? He's doing it, and he will do it. And so when you first think of the kingdom of God, you must register this first in your hearts and in your minds that God is first faithful to himself, and he is faithful to his word. Our God is a promise keeper, and this promise is one that is exciting because it comes with great blessing. He doesn't enter a party alone. He's the one you won't at it. He's the one that brings everything. When he hits the door, whoo, that's him. That's the one. Big change. The atmosphere is different. Something's new. Something's moving. And what's moving? There's great blessing when we hear about the kingdom of God. Thus, what are the signs of this great kingdom? Again, what do we like in the kingdom of God? Well, what are the signs of the kingdom, first and foremost? Well, in the gospel that, Mark, that, that parallels Mark, Matthew chapter 11 tells us that the followers of John the Baptist were asking Jesus if he was the one who had been promised. Is he the savior that they're looking for, right? And so we see this, is he the one that is going to usher them into the new era? 
And it reads this in Matthew chapter 11. Now when John heard uh, in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word to his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who has come, or shall we look for another? Are you the one who has come? And I pray that you feel the weight of desperation of these people that ask this. Are you the one who will come, who has come, or are we waiting for another? Because when you're desperate and you're hurting and you're lost and you're scared, I'm trying to find out, are you him? Are you the one who has come? And Jesus answered them, cool as a cucumber. Go and tell John what you hear and see, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf shall hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me, or the one who doesn't refuse, refused or pushed back. Go and tell them. Why is Jesus saying it like that? Funny that you ask, church. Because in Isaiah chapter 35, fulfillment, our God is a God. I'm telling you, he's a promise keeper. Because in Isaiah chapter 35, it speaks of the redemption of the world and the signs of the world's healing. Because that's exactly what the kingdom of God is. It is the restoration, the renewal, and the replenishment. It is the healing of what has happened here. And what do we see in Isaiah chapter 35? Say to those who have a what? An anxious heart. Are you the one? An anxious one, an anxious heart, or are we waiting for another? Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with the vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come to save you. And when the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and they, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongues of the mute sing for joy. For water breaks forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Breaks forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. That's impossible. But I'm here to tell you today and as you know, and we want the world to know that our God is in the business of doing the unconventional. Amen. He's in the business of doing the impossible. Amen. And just when you think it's supposed to look just like this, he comes and throws a curveball because our God is a God that has a plan. And nothing can stop it. Nothing can hold him back for his purposes. And nothing can stop this blessing that the kingdom of God has come through the mark of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is restoration of which what was lost and a redemption of that which has been placed and a renovation of a newness of spirit. It is all these things. And then Jesus asks, what shall I like in the kingdom of God? Church, let's first again understand the kingdom of God is revealed through scripture. That's why we went back. We let scripture interpret scripture and we see scripture is being fulfilled. And there are those, and it's calling out and saying to those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And many of us here, including myself, sometimes I'm stuck looking into the sky for a message. I'm looking for something big and bold and something that'll knock me in my face to say, oh, that was God and that's how God revealed himself. But I'm here to tell you right now, church, God has revealed himself through his 
word, amen? He has revealed himself through his word. It's a 66 book love letter, right? Written to you, but first before it's written to you, this love letter right here written to you, it is first an account of God being God and God being faithful and faithful is his name. He reveals himself through his word and he's calling to you right now. The message of the gospel, the old is past, the new has come. The shackles of sin no longer have power over you, not because of your own might, but because of the authority of the gospel and because there has been a savior that has come, church. And this kingdom of God invites others. It is a blessing to you. And it is meant to be a blessing to invite others. So then... Why a mustard seed? I personally love this because I love mustard, okay? No mayo here, you know what I'm saying? I don't like mayo, and, and, and don't, throw, go throwing, don't go throwing stuff at me right now, but I'm also not a ranch person, dude, either, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't do no ranch, okay? Italian here, you know what I'm saying? Italiano, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Don't judge me. We can repent later, praise God. But I love the fact that he uses the mustard seed. When we think of a big movement, we think of numbers, right? Size matters to many, and it is in this mindset that we are greatly, greatly flawed. And it is in this fallen nature that Jesus hits this parable to the core. He first addressed the purpose of the seed, right, which is to be sown, right? Yes, I enjoy seeds just like anybody else here, right? You get some sunflower seeds, you just put a bunch in your now you're like, you're just like spitting it off everywhere. Maybe, no, that's just me. Okay, I don't, I don't even know why I made that sound right now. That's just weird. But everybody likes seeds of some form of nature, unless you're allergic. Oh, Lord, I need to change the sermon. Uh, but I like seeds. But the full purpose of a seed is to be sown, right? To reproduce. Secondly, he compares the seeds to the other seeds that are there being sown. There are other seeds aside from the mustard seed that are also being grown and planted in this garden, in this example. And finally, what he addresses in this parable is the time. Time is the final element that separates this comparison. It separates and it changes everything. You see, follow with me now that something so small was planted, and in the midst of it being planted, it could have the tendency to look at the other seeds that it's being planted with and have a thought to say, I'm the smallest. How could I be used? How could this work, right? But they all went into the same soil. And though there are others around it, the time is what made it grow with water, care, Right, you see, because sometimes it's not about how you start. And I don't know who I'm talking, it's not how you start. But you've got to give it a little time. And if you allow nature to run its course with the seed, or in this situation or circumstance, when we allow God to run his course and his purposes are moving forward, it may have felt that the mustard seed was inferior. However, Jesus says that when it is all said and done, it grows and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. See, Jesus uses this example to communicate, again, fulfillment. 
This is not the only time Jesus references a mustard seed. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus tells his disciples, and he said to him, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the, the size of the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus communicated the kingdom of God and the faith of the mustard seed, and we see this faithfulness to his kingdom in the small beginnings, and they all have great impact. Small beginnings have great, great impact. And he's calling you and he's calling those in the church to be faithful. And how do we see this faithfulness? Well, when you look at the small beginnings of Abraham, one could say it was impossible. For God promised many nations and he had not one child for so long. Yet, small beginnings began to move. When you look at small beginnings of David, whom his father didn't even bring into the room when Samuel was looking for the next king, you could say small beginnings began to move. And when Elijah promised to Ahab that there would be a heavy rain and there was not even a cloud in the sky, the sun was out and it was hot, just like it'd be right now in San Antonio, Texas sometimes. And it's just, no, not a cloud in the sky. And he's telling them, rain's coming. Go check again. I don't see no cloud. And he's praying. Go check again. I don't see nothing. And he's praying earnestly. And go check again. And he's praying earnestly. Because God had told him that the rain would come. And later on, and, and to, to the fulfillment, go check one more time. Hey, Elijah, there's a cloud, but it's, it's as small as my hand. Oh, brother, you better pack your bags. The rain is coming. Just as God said, go tell Ahab, get the chariots ready, because my God said that there would be a rain, and you might think that that small little cloud ain't going to bring nothing, but I'm going to tell you now, this, this place is going to be drenched with water because that's my God that he promised. Amen? We see that in the testimony. We see that in Scripture, and small beginnings and big, small beginnings began to move. And we finally see in the garden where it all began, God declared boldly to the enemy, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The word offspring here is the same word as seed. Small beginnings began to move. And church, let me tell you that this seed was sown. And it is through this seed that was planted to them in this dirt. And it seems like nothing was happening that God began to do a good work. Jesus is the beginning of this kingdom of God. And it has started and it shall not cease. And for all of us here, we relate with this because sometimes we get discouraged, right? When I see, and when I plant something, right, and I'm not, a, I'm not a great planter. I did try to plant some stuff, and it just didn't turn out too well, okay? But I'm pretty sure there's some people that have planted here before. And when you plant seeds, when you plant them, you put them in the dirt, and you, like, put water, and you make sure the sun is there, you make sure the conditions are nice. But sometimes it feels like nothing's happening. You can't see anything happening unless you have a clear vase which 
that's what's up. But I don't have a clear vase. I don't know what's going on under the dirt. I just see dirt and the seed is in there and I'm just watering it and hoping something will happen. You cannot see what's happening below the surface. And all you can do is remain faithful that the water and the fertilizations and the conditions are able to see growth. And just as you had gotten tired, you've gone over it. The Instagram post, you ain't posting no garden for nobody. Ain't no flexing of my look at my little garden. Ain't gonna happen. Just when you thought nothing was happening under the ground, you see a little sprout break forth from the dirt. And church, uh, we need to change our mindset to this kingdom mindset. Because when people think of great potential, they think of large crowds, large armies, large everything. But we serve a God that changed the world with 12 disciples of faithfulness. And those that would receive this word, that would go out and continue to change the world. And I'm telling you today, we are the mustard tree that has gone off in the branches. You are a part of this story. And the best part of this story is God's not done yet with you. And just when you think that the seed has been sown in your life and you don't see anything up top and you're praying God I'm putting water on this I'm trying to see you move in my life I wrestle with these things in my life and I'm trying to be faithful I'm here to tell you remain diligent because God is doing something under the ground and it'll spring forth Amen? amen it will spring forth church God moves in faithfulness hence the reason again Jesus says To whom, what should we compare the kingdom of God? It is a mustard seed. And when it starts growing, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. And so finally, we come to the understanding of a disciple. We come to the final point of Jesus saying these things, and he took the disciples away, right? As he spoke in parables and explained these things to them. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why is it presented this way all throughout this text? Because there will be those that have ears and they don't want to hear. The kingdom of God has come, church. And though this earthly kingdom and its rulers and principalities are very, very much still present, we will be at odds. But thanks be to God, we join in just as we say in the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Catholic Church the church whole, in unity, not just here, overseas, around the world. We are a part of a grand, grand, beautiful, beautiful tree. We claim no other kingdom than the kingdom of God. And though we live in this world, we are not of this world. So I ask you, church, will you be a branch of this mustard seed that produces mustard? Would you be about the mission of God for the people of God and invite others to know God? Will you? Will we be a branch that gives shade to those that are around us and instill hope, instill love, grace, be compassionate? Will we be inviting to those, just as Jesus said here, to the birds of the air that make their nest? in its shade. Those that are far off, those that are weary, 
those that feel that they don't belong, our prayer is that we would give shade and they would fly right in and be a part of this beautiful, beautiful tree. Will we be the ones to invite others to meet the king of this kingdom? Will we? I close with this story. In 2009, in Houston, Texas, H-Town repping. I got a rep. I'm sorry. I apologize. I love Houston. But I'm here now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He called me here. Praise God. River City. Let's go. 210. Praise God. Clear Creek Community Church was rapidly growing. And on staff, they had a mission-minded man named Chad Clarkson. He had a vision for changing the city of Houston to plant churches strategically and to respond to the needs of the church. I love the fact that this part perfectly is demonstrated as we talk about the sowing of the seeds, right? He wanted to plant churches throughout the city of Houston. He knew that he couldn't do it alone. And so he had a heart of collaboration and faithfulness. And Ben, if you want to start coming up, you can. He had a heart of collaboration and faithfulness. And so he invited several different churches to partner alongside with him. Now, Houston's a big city, and it is a big task. And thanks be to God, he already had vision to know that he does not go alone, that he's a part of a grand tree that desires to plant others. So he invited Champions Forest, First Presbyterian Church Houston, Woods Edge, and many others, a few others to this meeting. It is recorded that their first meeting was small and lonely. And though there was great vision, it seemed like a tall order. But there's a quote. Before you go tell God how big your problems are, go on ahead and tell your problems just how big your God is. This meeting first started with five to six churches. And now in 2021, it has over 140 churches that are involved in the Houston Church Planning Network, one of which was my mentor that shared and continued to help me grow in the gospel. And a meeting that used to average eight to 10 people now averages 150 to 200 people in attendance, all mission-minded, all desiring to see the name above every other name, and that is Jesus set throughout the city. And it is amazing testimony. And church, let me tell you that here in San Antonio, Texas, in the midst of COVID, September 2020, San Antonio launched its own church planting network. And we as First Prez are a part of it because God has something he wants to do in and through this city and beyond these walls. And he is sending you, he is calling you to love others the same way that he first loved you. Church, this is the God that we serve. This is the king that reigns and kingdom will have no end. And church, he is calling you now. The best years are still yet to come, and we're participating in it right now. God is not done with your story. 
He's doing something grand and amazing, only the way he does it. So church, I call you to rise up. He who has ears to hear, let him hear that our God is faithful and he will bring it to completion. The kingdom of God is at hand. Our savior has risen from the grave and he is coming back to save the lost. Amen. In church, he's calling you in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this wondrous and beautiful day. We thank you for the testimonies of your word. We thank you for the faithfulness that you're moving. And Lord, we ask that we would be a church that would be so spurred and so bold to be mobilized in our neighborhoods, in our classrooms, in the grocery store, by our neighbors, by our friends, by our families. Father, give us the words to speak and help us have eyes to see those who are hurting, hands ready to serve, feet ready to move, and a heart of compassion to love others the same way you first loved us. Lord, you are faithful and you are good, and we worship you this day in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen.